Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties Too. This episode features one of the three guests who were part of my weekly hour-long NPR show broadcast over the air every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it is broadcast continuously for 14 years. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. I'm also the founder and director of the New York Dog Film Festival. The 8th annual New York City premiere will be October 2023, along with the 5th annual New York Cat Film Festival before traveling the country, supporting local animal welfare groups. This show is about dogs, cats, and other creatures who share the planet with us. Please check out my other Pet Talk podcasts at TracyHotchnerPets.com. I would not be able to bring you this show without the generous support of Dr. Elsie's the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Bruce Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian. He personally created many styles of litter to make sure that even the fussiest cats would not have out-of-litter box problems, the number one reason people abandon their kitties. Dr. Elsie also created his own brand of cat food called Clean Protein, the first dry cat food I can recommend because it's based on the protein found in a cat's natural prey. This show would not be possible without the longtime support from Waruva, the pet food company founded and privately run by David Foreman, who named it after his rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa. Waruva is a quirky name for a company with whimsical names for the dozens of different cans and pouches of cat food they make. But what sets them apart is how serious David is about high-quality nutrition. They were the first pet food company to use human edible ingredients and process them in the same facilities that make human food. Other pet food companies may have copied them over time, but Waruva remains privately owned and run, accountable only to their own high standards, not investors who focus on profits. I am so delighted to be able to be making a phone call to Vienna, Austria, to talk to an extraordinary veterinarian scientist who still has an Italian phone number because her doctorate in stem cell science came from Italy. Dr. Rupal (laughs) Tarari, it's wonderful to have you here and to learn about your multi-continental life as a doctor and a scientist and and as a woman, really. I mean, it seems like a wonderful trajectory that, that, that your love of science and of animals has taken you to the the land of soccer tort. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you so much, Tracy, for having me for this call. And I will be more than delighted to share my life story and how I evolved as a veterinarian, as a scientist. So Good. That's, what I, that's what I would like to do. Great, yeah. The, the, the reason <laughs> that I learned about your work is because of the company uh-huh. based in Vienna that you work for in the laboratory called Biocraft Pet Nutrition. And I saw... There's a biotech company making cultured meat for the pet food market. And it was Mm -hmm. interesting to me, very interesting, as the person who's always said about cats that they should only eat meat. And if only they could put mice in cans, that's the perfect food. And you have also cultured mouse meat, the ancestral diet of the cat, as your primary focus for making cat food. But now you're able to do it with chicken, which obviously widens the the range of animals that can be fed with your cultured food. So before we have you describe and explain how you do this quite magical alchemy in the laboratory 
in such an ethical and and cl- and clever way, really. How did you wind up sitting, you know, thinking, oh, it's four o'clock, time for a piece of, you know, seven layer <laughs> chocolate cake? <laughs> no, <laughs> because it would be interesting to share some yes, facts exactly. and some experiences that would amaze people as well. And yeah. So you started out, I'm, so, I'm thinking India, based on your, your name and your your pronunciation, but your your accent, but maybe not India. Um, well, I was born and brought up in India, and I, I did my veterinary studies in India as well. And so after finishing my veterinary medicine degree, I worked as a vet, both with pets, and also with large animals in the field. So I have kind of experience both in the clinic and in the field. Nice. And yeah, so I have seen things uh, quite closely. <laughs> and um, yeah. So when, how did you leave? Why, well, in a funny sort of way, I want to ask why you left India. I mean, I think <laughs> that so many brilliant doctors in general leave India to come to Western countries. But I'm thinking particularly of veterinarians and the enormous need for a change in the, I think, a view of the change of free roaming dogs in India and how to maybe deal better with their welfare or differently with their welfare and I'm wondering, were you tempted to stay and be an important person in the veterinary field in India, where the Humane Society International and some other very impressive big groups are trying to do those big, large-scale spay-neuter or whatever other big attempts they're making mm-hmm. at helping curb the, the dog population? Yeah, right. Actually, I worked um, uh, at... Uh uh, at uh, these non-profit organizations ah. um, voluntarily here. Yeah. And I did neuter a lot of dogs, stray dogs, to control the, their population and to reduce their suffering because, you know, a lot of road accidents yes. happen and they die. They, they, they die um, very, um, you know, bad. Yeah. Dead. So, yeah. Well, good. So, so you did do I that. kind of... Yeah, 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 yeah. So I somehow contributed back in India as well as a vet. But um, at some point, I felt that I need to widen my horizon and, uh, you know, go for learn some more advanced skills so that I could make a, a bigger impact as a vet and also probably as a scientist. So mm-hmm. that kind of motivated me and drove me to move to the Western world. And I moved to Europe to pursue my PhD. And that's when I got uh, a good experience of stem cell culture. And during my PhD, I was also lucky enough to to work for some months at the Roslyn Institute in Scotland, you know, where the first... I don't know about it. Tell me. No. (laughs) The first mammalian clone, Dolly, Dolly the sheep. Oh, Dolly the sheep. And you actually went there. Yeah, yeah. Wow, you went to the yeah, temple yeah, yeah. of stem cell. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so yeah. All so, Rupal, <laughs> let me just interrupt and ask, what was this like? You'd spent your entire life as an Indian woman in a culture that is very specific. Then you come alone mm-hmm. to Europe 
and you start yeah. to study for a PhD in Italy. What was that like for you? Yeah. Was it uh, was it thrilling and fascinating, or, or daunting and a little intimidating, or a little of everything? Uh, I would say it wasn't a huge cultural shock for me, maybe because of my um, schooling and uh, my family background, because I was I was always uh, raised in a <laughs> in a dis- disciplined and decent way uh, with good schooling. So it wasn't a huge shock, but for sure it was fascinating. Good. I mean, Italy is beautiful. Yeah. Where and did you get the doctorate? Really, where in Italy? Uh, from Turin, University of Turin. Oh, Torino. So interesting. Torino. I was wondering if you were eating, you know, tagliatelle with red sauce or risotto in the north. So you were eating risotto in the north. You can see that for some reason I'm fascinated by this cultural shifts in, in your diet, which, of course, is completely irrelevant. But I just find it so bold and fascinating that this work is going on around the world in stem cell. And there you were in Scotland, you know, to to, to be at the Mecca. Yeah. Well, I had forgotten that was, or I maybe yeah, never right. knew that was the name of the institute. And then this company, Biocraft, were you part of this, part of the, this first biotech company that de- is developing cultured meat for the pet food market were you part of the beginning of it or they bring you in once they realized how much they needed you and there was a missing piece which was you (laughs) maybe it could be both (laughs) or (laughs) you know it was like a match made in heaven i would say because i was (laughs) i was uh, i was finishing uh, while i was finishing uh, with my phd i started to look for a job you know in general nothing in particular in any any particular country or so and then um we just came across each other and i was like oh my god this i mean it couldn't get any better and this could be the best choice and opportunity to utilize my prior knowledge and expertise and experiences that I've gained so far. Yes. So, I mean, I feel lucky to be a part of this mission, really. That's a great, that's a great feeling. And I do get the sense that it's a mission because I think that we're all aware that as people become more conscious and eager to feed their dogs and cats the highest quality food and close to human food and less processed, Mm -hmm. that it's a horrible burden on the planet and on the animals who need to be eaten in order for our pets, for us to feel good about how our pets eat, because really there's lots of things they could eat that don't have to involve killing other animals or putting such a burden on the planet in terms of a hoof print or a paw print to create that meat. And it seems like what you're doing is really, you know, so, like, I don't know, like wild futuristic science and it's happening right now. Can you talk about... And I hope that uh, more and more people can join hands yes. to support this mission and we can make it, uh, you know, uh, make it possible as soon as possible, uh, you know, in the near future. So, well, the cultured mouse meat, yeah. I'm not familiar with that being at, in the market. If it was, I would be the biggest cheerleader. I mean, are you talking to pet food companies about the cultured mouse meat, or is that still in the developing stage? No, uh, actually, that's more about the business part uh, that I'm not 
uh, too involved into, but uh, it's already in the pipeline, nice. as far as I know. So it's yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah. We just have to, we, we as the consumers have to figure out who's got the mouth I mean, we are, we are. Uh, we are kind of in the in the in the pipeline in the sense that we are collaborating with right. the, the companies uh, that would turn what you've created. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now let's talk about yeah, what yeah, you yeah. create because it's referred to in the press release as a meat slurry. So can you kind of do the talk at a cocktail party description of how you're making meat from stem cells, chicken meat particularly, since that's what you're working yeah, on yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So first, let me uh, give give a brief about the chicken stem cells and how I derived them. Okay. So my aim was to do it in the most ethical and humane way. So I I used the the fertilized eggs that were less than twenty four hours uh, old, and I collected the cells that were just a collection of stem cells. Okay. So not not a mature embryo or anything, but still have uh, have the capacity to grow fast and uh, the potential to to be the cells that are nutritionally enriched and the kind of cells that we need in our meat slurry. You know. Yes. So that's how uh, we uh, established the chicken uh, stem cell line, and that will be. Uh, grown in uh, nutritionally enriched uh, media, which is uh, which has which will have the ingredients um, that are plant-based. So, without any growth factors or any chemicals or synthetic additives, you know. Well, and that well, when you say you know, I don't because I I I guess I didn't think about the fact that other companies also tr- trying or succeeding in culturing meat. Are, are using mm-hmm. GMO and they're using uh, growth factors that are sort of like uber science as opposed to more natural science. So is that something we don't mm-hmm. want to have in a cultured meat? That's why you're avoiding it? Yeah, absolutely. And it's also um, something that the, the customers won't accept, you know, or oh. let's Let's talk about us. If we if we want if we want to try uh, cultured meat, we, and if we know that it is uh, GMO derived, we won't. We would be hesitant. You know? Yes. So. Same for the animals. Uh, you, you, there's also the phrase I've the never animals. heard before, which is really interesting, that the Biocraft chicken is not mod- genetically modified or immortalized. What do we mean by immortalized with a cell? So it means that the cells can uh, continue to grow and replicate. It means divide indefinitely, which can be uh, achieved by, you know, adding growth factors or going through GMO way. And yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. good. That's not healthy. And you're in your, in your that's opinion? not healthy. Yeah. And <laughs> also if they are immortalized after a certain, uh, after a certain amount of time, there could be some, uh, you know, genetic modifications yes, automatically yes. or mutations or something like that. So, so the cells would mutate into something that wasn't what you had in mind. It wasn't ever going to look like a chicken if it ever got to come to, to market. Um, the other yeah. thing that's really interesting, because we only have a few minutes left, but it's so cool what you're doing, is that 
the, mm-hmm. the biocrafted meat is growing in a liquid medium, as you said, of vitamins and minerals, including taurine, which is essential for cats and is usually added after the fact chemically to all mm-hmm. cat foods. Formulated without fetal bovine serum, FBS, a processed <clears throat> ingredient yeah. inhumanely obtained from the slaughter of pregnant cows that's commonly used to produce other cultured meats. I don't think any of us knew that. We knew about estrogen, Premarin, back in the days of hormone replacement therapy for women, where they would take the urine mm-hmm. of pregnant mares, and it was cruel because the horses were kept continuously pregnant. But this is slaughtering pregnant cows, and I don't think most of us knew that, that that's what fetal bovine serum was. So that was yeah, something you were insane. avoiding. Yeah. It sounds, mm-hmm. as an Indian, do you... Is, is does everyone in India have the opinion of cows being sacred or not being um, open to be somebody's food, or is that only some religious sex? Um, no, as an Indian, as an Indian and as a veterinarian, I can say that uh, people, especially in the villages, they keep cows as as pets, like they they, yes. they pray. Yeah. Yes. Know? So cows are still sacred, and they are not at all slaughtered, not at all. Not to mention not a pregnant cow. So, I mean, this would be (laughs) in countries where India being, I guess, now the most populous or second most populous country, if they got to the point where that was was a market for BioCraft Mm -hmm. pet nutrition, it would be highly desirable. But for those of us that didn't know that cultured meat, maybe even the Beyond Burgers. We don't need to talk about that because I don't know. But if they're using the slaughter of pregnant cows to grow those cells in, that's something we should all be aware Mm of and look for another alternative, I guess, right? Yeah, right. I mean, if we talk about India, I think our product will be so, so appreciated. Yes, uh, knowing the facts and how it has been developed and made. So I think it will be desired, loved, and really appreciated. That's a really nice way of putting it. Another. Yeah, desired <laughs> and loved and appreciated. And I think that, that that needs to be what our thinking needs to be more in the West, to understand that it, for us to have the thing we want, we really don't want others, whether they're human or animal, to suffer. And it looks like you've come up with a yeah. way to do that that's both very humane, eliminating all those animals from the, the equation, but also exactly. maybe ultimately that's healthier, why. right? I mean, just healthier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just healthier because, you know, um, since our our meat slurry, will the meat in our slurry will, would be in the most you know, purest form. Yes. It won't be hampered by heating or rendering process. So all the... Nutrients will remain intact. It's really, so it's really extraordinary. Can, yeah, you really are standing <laughs> on the the precipice of changing the world. Now the world has to, as you said, appreciate and love what you're doing, Doctor Tawari. We've run out of time. I think your li- your life story is fantastic. Who knows where you'll wind up next? I hope we'll stay in touch. And Biocraft Pet Nutrition in Vienna is very lucky to have you. you. I'm so glad you're there. Keep up this wonderful work. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. And I would really like to thank my team and especially Dr. Shannon for for pushing it through and really giving it a thrust to this mission. And now it's up to us to embrace it on the other side. Thank you (laughs) again. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for listening. 
There are a few more special companies that make this show possible. I hope you will try their products because they support my mission to entertain you with valuable information and advice. This show is supported by Wonderside, a company founded and run by a woman entrepreneur who wanted to find an effective natural way to keep fleas, ticks, and other pests away from her pets and home instead of putting toxic chemicals in or on them. Wonderside makes plant-powered products to keep parasites at bay without dousing your pets and property with ingredients that are harmful to them and the planet. The show is also underwritten by Evermore Pet Food, privately owned by two dedicated women who take human-edible, ethically-sourced ingredients and gently cook dog food that is then frozen in pouches and shipped right to your door. They founded and run their own company and have been doing that for 14 years and answer only to their own high standards without interference from venture capital investors. I'm also grateful to Earth Animal, also privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, where they create holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. Earth Animal makes a dazzling array of healing products for dogs and cats, as well as the innovative Dog Chew No Hide and the hybrid dog food Wisdom, which is sometimes all that my picky blue Weimarano Maisie will eat.